Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with John and Rob. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. And this week, it is Rob's turn. So, Rob, why don't you tell us what you picked? This is Bayer Meinhof by Don DeLillo, and it's kind of a creepy strangers meet and bad. It's not anything horrible happens, but it's just really creepy, but um, kind of interesting and just kind of strange, strange writing. So I'm just going to read the first page. She knew there was someone else in the room. There was no outright noise, just an intimation behind her, a faint displacement of air. She'd been alone for a time, seated on a bench in the middle of the gallery with the painting set around her, a cycle of 15 canvases. And this is how it felt to her, that she was sitting as a person does in a mortuary chapel, keeping watch over the body of a relative or a friend. This was sometimes called the viewing, she believed. She was now looking at Yorick, now head and upper body, her neck rope scorched, although she didn't know for certain what kind of implement had been used in the hanging. She heard the other person walk toward the bench, a man heavy shuffling stride, and she got up and went to stand before the picture of Yurik, one of the three related images. Yurik dead in each, lying on the floor of her cell, head in profile. The canvas is varied in size. The woman's reality, the head, the neck, the rope burn, the hair, the facial features, were painted, picture to picture, in nuances of obscurity and pall, a detail clearer here than there, the slurred mouth in one painting appearing nearly natural elsewhere, all of it unsystematic. Why do you think you did it this way? She did not look to turn at him. So shadowy, no color. She said, I don't know, and went to the next set of images, called Man Shot Down. This was Andreas Bader. She thought of him by his full name or surname. She thought of Meinhof. She saw Meinhof, his first name only, Ulrich, and then the same was the case with Gudrun. I'm trying to think of what happened to them. They committed suicide, or the state killed them. He said the state. Then he said it again, deep-voiced, in a tone of melodramatic menace, turning on a line reading that might be more suitable. She wanted to be annoyed, but felt instead a vague chagrin. It wasn't like her to use this term, the state, in the ironclad context of supreme public power. This was not a vocabulary. The two paintings of Bader dead in his cell were the same size, but addressed the subject somewhat differently. And this is what she did now. She concentrated on the differences. Arm, shirt, unknown object, an edged frame, the disparity or uncertainty. This seems right up your alley, Rob. Yeah, it definitely is. If there's any one writer that I try to rip off the most, it's it's easily Don DeLillo. Kind of what I, I liked most about this was that the art that they were looking at, the art that they're describing is really vague and uh, indistinct. And kind of not only are there people, but the kind of the vague, indistinct violence in the pictures is really kind of, it feels like the general mood of the story too. You have these two strangers meet, the guy's really weird. They kind of, you don't, you, you don't really cut to scenes. You sort of like abruptly wake up in them. So there's kind of a dream feel to the to the general move of the story and what I liked about it was thinking about how an object can kind of dictate the mood or even sort of like somehow in a weird way kind of create the plot just kind of its weird radiating menace that well only like a plot would like happen around objects like this so I thought it was just a cool I can definitely I know Delillo's big into art so I can see him being in a gallery by himself and just having a um as just you're getting the strange feeling of the art and then like well what kind of story would come from this and I think this is I would bet a lot of money that that's that's what happened yeah I was trying to I, I read a lot about the art itself afterwards and like looked it up and I was like is this real or is this like Rob's last one where I thought it was a real book and it wasn't so I was like I'm gonna do some sleuthing and I googled it and um, I wondered the whole time I was like kind of looking at the paintings and, and also reading the book if it if it happened the way you described it Rob where it's like you know maybe uh, the writer was actually contemplating this specific art when he decided to write something because it is the basis for the mood and when you see the art itself it's it's the same it's like kind of this haunting stuff and that's the, the feeling you're you're left with at the end of this story it's just this like empty bizarre i don't know what to think but it was not good feeling and um i guess i wondered like it was the chicken or the egg
egg type thing. Like, did this art dictate this story? Did he pick art to fit a story? You know what I mean? I don't know if I missed some kind of like overt connection between this specific art and, and the actual story at play. I was trying to like derive some symbolism other than the mood of the art, but maybe I was trying too hard. The mood definitely came across. It was like, what is she looking at? Yeah. Because she felt a certain way, it, like left a taste in her mouth for the exchange that happens right afterwards with this guy at the gallery. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you can immediately tell like the tenor of their conversation is even like haunted and kind of spooked. And Yeah, they're like dancing around the edge of something. They like, it, it's almost like neither of them wants to be there. But then I don't know. He he basically it has like a turning point, I think, where he tells her they end up going to, to lunch after the gallery together, even though he's like way annoying. <laughs> yeah, he's horribly annoying. Isn't he? Yeah, and she like knows it. But she I don't know why she's like letting it happen. Anyway, they go to lunch and, and he had mentioned at one point he had a job interview. And then during the conversation, she's like, don't, I bet you got to go. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I canceled that a while ago. And she has this like feeling come over her like, oh, shit, he expects something out of this and he's making time for it. But now he's also making it clear to me, which makes it's like if I'm in on the joke, I got to help him follow through somehow. So then they go back to his place. And like the whole time I was like, what about this has to do with the... Uh, what is it? The Red Army? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if there's <laughs> something specific to that. Basically, I decided to stop trying. But um, there is like that same mood. It's like in the art, you can't fully see the faces. And in, in this narrative, you can't fully see his kind of motives. I wonder if part of it is because, I mean, if it's a story about art, that art can give you access to like horrific shit like that. Yeah. I wonder if it's a story about how this is kind of an effect of just like living in the, in the world where that's accessible. Where if, I mean, like the the horrificness uh, of the Red Army what they did and the fact that we can see like the aftermath of it and that's like it's not entertainment but it's available to look at in a public place yeah it's almost like going to like the Holocaust Museum and then you try to have a meal afterwards yeah it's just it's you're seeing people like interact just around a record of something just so bad and I think it's just a story about that yeah just the fact that this stuff exists right and we that's this is like the closest we can come to it well the ending would definitely support that theory because at the end well at the beginning she's like I've been coming here for like three days trying to figure this stuff mm -hmm. out and he's like oh cool so he she tells him that and when she goes back for like the fourth day at the end after they have this awkward encounter at her place he's there yeah. and that's how the story yeah, ends gross. yeah and he it's definitely his only his second time but he probably knows she's going to be there but I also kind of wondered in that moment it wasn't as, as if he walked up on her she walked up on him kind of like she saw him there it was almost like he came to it himself like he had a weird feeling about the day before maybe not like a regret but he came back to like the scene of the crime almost yeah and like you said earlier i mean she is talking to him they are they do they do end up at her apartment so yeah. they are like of like-minded or at least they're just you know compelled by whatever, whatever the feeling is well the painting he's looking at there or the photograph whatever he's looking at is the one in which she saw the uh the cross image and yeah. she was like oh so there is redemption there is possibility of forgiveness and then she walks in on him looking at that specific specific painting she's like well he i'll redeem you creepy dude come back to my apartment and make it worse um yeah they're paintings of photographs that what i was saying yeah i was confused too because i pulled up the actual photographs and i couldn't find the cross painting but what'd you like about it john well i liked a lot of the, the lines and language in it um like the you know the first line or the second sentence but the first paragraph when he says there was no outright noise just an intimation behind her it's like okay in for in for a uh, nice play of language here which obviously is what he's known for 
for in certain respects. And, uh, I don't know. I liked it. It was simple and, uh, took a really nice, well, nice, not a nice turn, but a really, um, creepy turn in the middle and had, like I said, that hint at redemption at the ending. So I just like this, this whole, the overall feeling of the thing. Yeah. I remember that now that you mention it, I remember reading the bit about redemption when I was, when I read it the first time and thinking like, this is key. <laughs> yeah. And I've since forgotten about that, but I think, I think you're right. It's always nice when you're reading the story and you're like, this is important. Yeah. This part is going to be important. This part's important. I'm going to promptly forget it. But yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. They spent a lot of time talking about what she thinks she sees in the painting. So it's like, it's an obvious kind of flag to the reader, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is her like interpreting beyond interpreting. It is interesting how she do, they do that. Like um, there's a couple of places in the beginning where it's like, okay, they begin their conversation and then she re- the, the, st- the narrative retreats into her descriptions of the stories. And there's like a little back and forth. She tells him that she's been there three days in a row and he's like, oh, major money. Unless you're a member. I'm not a member. Then you teach art. I don't teach art. You want me to shut up? Shut up, Bob. Only my name's not Bob. And then what? Seven paragraphs? Yeah, seven paragraphs of uh, her just talking about the paint or the, the the story describing the paintings and the painting of the coffins. Here were the bodies of Andreas Bader, etc. She knew that this had happened after Ulrich dead in May. She knew of 1970. You know, just talking about the paintings, and then it comes back to he was standing next to her now, the man she'd been talking to. You know, the story actually has to remind us of uh, yeah. what was going on tell me what you see honestly i want to know so you know it takes that that much of a divergence from the scene to really get into the art that you know that that art's gonna be important or ought to be important it's given a lot of weight i was looking for the section where it like gets really creepy and basically like they're back at her apartment because she accidentally lets on that she lives nearby i think he asks her directly she has, tell like, me a- what you want she sat there yeah because since you're not ready and i don't want to do something too soon but you know we're here she didn't look at him yeah and then she says i want you to leave and he stays and it like it escalates and and like you guys said like nothing actually happens she like traps herself in the bathroom and like waits for him to leave but um oh my god stories like this like a real sort of potential scary thing are so much scarier than like Godzilla, mm-hmm. you know? And I think too, so she doesn't actually physically get raped here or anything. Like nothing like that actually happens. That's of course her fear. But I think the weird thing throughout this whole story is something that we deal with every day, which is just like when you're not on the same page as someone. Stranger danger. Yeah. yeah. And it could be a stranger or it could be someone you work with or it can be like a friend and like you're at dinner and things are just, things are off, you know, and you're like trying to get through it. Or like, I don't know. Like I hate that it keeps coming back to this, but like like, have you ever talked to like a drunk person and you're not as drunk and they like and they come up to you and you're just like you're trying to be polite but then maybe they say something and you're like this has to end and it doesn't have to be a guy and a girl thing I don't know this had that kind of quality that it felt like a like a real thing where like you could be at a gallery you want to look at the art you don't want to leave the gallery you paid you're there this guy keeps hounding you oh my gosh and then it, the tension ramps up to like the worst that it could get right like now he's at her house I don't know I just think like if you're gonna write horror because this this felt like this felt I felt scared reading this just kind of like i don't know different than like a horror movie when you leave a horror film you don't feel scared afterwards unless it's like a ghost thing that i'm definitely scared but yeah, like this kind of thing in those dark rooms yeah this kind of thing i'm like this could actually happen he's a good monster character it's yeah like, it's big scary oh my gosh he, he's almost like a coal 
old. She she mentions like um, the conversation surprised her a little bit. It was not difficult even in the pauses. So they're having like these this kind of like authentic connection. She thinks, but then after he's like kind of made it clear what he wants that he wants to have sex, um, he like looks at her when she's like inching back toward the bathroom, and she says he was he was ranking her, marking her in some awful and withering way. Like doesn't have to be a guy that's about to rape you, but have you ever been like at the grocery store and someone's like sizing you up and you're like, what's going on here? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, doesn't have to even be like a person of the opposite sex. You're just like, what is this stranger thinking right now about me? And like, that happens a million times a day if you're out in public, right? You have these like one-off encounters or looks and you invent entire narratives. And then this one like plays out to its finale and it's like, okay, moral of the story. Don't talk to fucking strangers. None of them. Not even as adults. It's not worth it. You mentioned him as a monster. There's a line. They're, They're on the couch and then he's starting to, his voice carried an intimacy so false it seemed a little threatening and then she started to get up and she drew away and stood up and he was all around her then um, tucked her head into her shoulder she seemed to disappear tucked and still he's described almost like monstrously in that moment Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah I like to I think um, you know so she traps herself in the bathroom he eventually leaves and then the way this this all ends like that section wraps up because it's a long drawn out section there's a lot of dialogue so it like spreads out over over a couple pages but it says um, she waited for him to leave when she heard him cross the room and close the door behind him finally she waited a full minute longer then she came out of the bathroom and locked the front door she saw everything twice now she was where she wanted to be and alone but nothing was the same bastard nearly everything in the room had a double effect what it was and the association it carried in her mind she went out walking when she came back the connection was still there at the coffee table on the bed in the bathroom bastard she had dinner in a small restaurant nearby and went to bed early like when was the last time you like um, read like a near rape story and like heard what they tried to do immediately after to like get over you know like oh get it out of your system and you can't and like this like definitely goes back to rob's point about you know the point of the story being that you can see something like art and be caught in the feeling of it so she's like coming back to her apartment and nothing's the same so it stands to reason you see art that's haunting in a certain way and like you can't even see this exchange the same way like she she can't get the art out of her mind either she's that's a good point yeah i would say this is i would classify this as like a horror type story one way or the other like surreal horror i don't know yeah that's the effect like it's like the art or the exchange in this piece i'm thinking about the story still it, i hate to keep bringing up cat person but that that one it yeah, that's also, an icky feeling one too it, yeah it's another one where you're like oh man there was an expectation nothing bad happens but there's this like awkward thing where you're like oh shit someone's gonna try to get me or someone expects something from me and she seems to know that he's scary too immediately yeah she doesn't like him from the get-go no she's trying she's walking the other way yeah yeah she's almost just at that point she's like seriously leave me alone i like there's this around the middle well maybe later than the middle but she didn't want to tell him where she lived yeah and then she lived just three blocks away in a faded brick building etc then she told him they were talking about places to run and bike and he told her where he lived and what his jogging route was and she said that her bike had been stolen from the basement of her building and when he asked her where she lived she told him more or less nonchalantly and he drank his diet soda and looked out the window or into it perhaps at their faint reflections paired in the glass then there's a when she came out of the bathroom, he was standing in the, at the kitchen window as if waiting for a view to materialize. This jump from she didn't want to tell him, she told him, and then they're in the in the apartment. I don't know. I, I wrote, I liked that break right there. I said, nice hiatus. You know, it's a great place to end the scene and start the next scene. A lot of implications in that, that jump, like what happened in between. But just to the monster thing we're talking about, you know, that's kind of, uh, he had gotten what he wanted out of that moment. Now he knows where she lives. And now they're 
in the apartment. Now right. they're, they're there. I'm, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, the walk would have been the worst part of that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I almost wanted to read that. Like, oh, here we go to your stupid place. The fact that someone can give up that much information just because they think you're becoming less of a stranger because you're just talking. Like, that's such a predator thing to do. Yeah, like, All I gotta do is talk to you. You're not gonna think I'm a yeah. stranger anymore. Or I've been nothing but nice. Yeah. It's scary because you can see someone giving up that kind of information. Oh, I'm not, you know. Right. It's conversation. Yeah, I'm not afraid of, like, you know, someone I don't know killing me. I'm, like, afraid of someone I do know killing me. Yeah. <laughs> someone, like, you've interacted with or something. Maybe it's because I think about killing people I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it starts. I also hate to do this, but have you guys watched You on Netflix? No, I've heard about it. I think I know the whole plot at this point. Feels like, like this. Yeah. Stalker guy. Oh, of course, yeah. And then it's centered around art. And in that one, he works at a bookstore and she's a she's a poet. Mm-hmm. And so he can also like get at her with like her weakness, which is this, this you know, oh, we have this common interest. We're both at this gallery. What's the harm in talking to me about the art? Like, why why wouldn't it, why would it be weird to talk to me about the art? We're both here. I think I'm going to kind of hedge my bet, though. He either he was either standing in a, in a gallery and had this idea, or I think he may be a type of writer who just writes a great first sentence and you're like, all right, that's a great way to start a story. Because, I mean, that's such a cool, I mean, that, oh, yeah, right. Talk about a hook. Yeah, that's a good point. She knew there was someone else in the room. That was just like, okay, I know the story. I know the mood immediately. I was almost surprised at that point, like, uh, to find out that it wasn't like, it could have been anything. This could have gone in a million different ways, but it was a gallery. It was an art gallery. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it immediately explained. Art galleries can't, I mean, think about it. It can be a spooky place. It's Yeah, not, if you're by like, yourself, too, like wandering through these rooms, sure. people will go in like the opposite directions and yeah. you get totally lost. An art gallery is also kind of a place you'd expect someone else to be. So it starts yeah. off with this tension of someone else is in the room and you're like, oh my gosh, who's else in the room? And then, oh, we're just in an art gallery. It's open yeah. to the public. Okay. Anybody can Everyone's be here. Nice it's, okay. it's almost like that with yeah. him, right? It's You're exactly. Like, oh, oh, God. Oh, wait. No, he's fine. We're having yeah. a good time, I think. It's creepy. Yeah, it's quiet. It's spread out. It's a perfect place for a thriller or whatever this thing is. You can see this as a movie. It's shot in really kind of quiet, long takes. This would be a cool movie. Yeah. I think the dialogue too, like we should just point out how well the dialogue is done. Yeah, that's one of the big things I love about DeLillo. He just has his own way of making people talk. And they all talk like him or like there's kind of one feel or one like narrative feel to this. But man, it's so sweet. He even does a thing like, uh, you know, because people don't talk and like say what they mean or understand each other. And I think what was interesting here though was because we're close in her head when she has that line that Rob read that Rob read to us it says they committed suicide or the state killed them he said the state and and then she's she goes she wanted to, to be annoyed but felt instead a vague chagrin it wasn't like her to use this term the state so you even you even get kind of a glimpse at the fact that people say things they regret or they think I, I sounded stupid when was the last time you read something like in our workshop where someone said something and then they thought to themselves I didn't mean to say it like that or that way I think the biggest mistake that good that new writers make is that everyone speaks perfectly they say what they mean they say something beautifully they speak in full sentences and it's because you know you polish your narrative why wouldn't you polish your your dialogue it's because it doesn't sound real it's a good way too to put the stakes in what people are saying like it's in it, like the word the state implies so much that she's like bugged by it or she wants to appear a certain way to him so it becomes right. how the people are talking about each other to each other that kind of decides where the plot's going to go in a way because she's giving away information and he's just peppering her yeah so like the fact that as John points out she doesn't want to give her location away well like we know that because we're close third and then when she like kind of when she just kind of says it uh, we know because we're so close to her at that point that she didn't want to give that information out but she did so when you I don't know for this 
this story, so much of the tension is derived from what these people are saying to each other. So he's like, tell me what you want. She's like, I want you to leave. And he still is misinterpreting her. She says it four more times. I want you to leave. And then he like grabs her. It's like, what? So there's there's like, you know, people that intentionally misunderstand or even like the Roxane Gay one. This nurse is like physically sticking her hand up the, the narrator's shirt. And the narrator's like, uh, please stop. So there's there's all these ways that people say things, but they mean a different thing. And I don't know. This was a really good example of that. As far as um, just fiction around the time of 9-11, I think this came out the, the following year. So mm-hmm. you can imagine it was probably, it could have been written, you know, the day after or something. But I think it's like just a cool, I think it's obvious that I'm always interested in when stories are written. So it's cool just to be like the national, I mean, I think we can remember like the national feeling was just, you know, it was different for everybody, but it was extreme, whatever it was, if I, would, I would guess. So it's cool to see... I mean, this story is obviously not obvious, but the the art depicts terrorism. So for for that to be kind of an in for a writer, it's interesting to see a major writer react to terrorism, basically. Since so, you know, shortly after nine eleven, do we uh, do we know where this story actually takes place? I mean, I would guess it's NYC. It feels like New York. Yeah, but I yeah, don't know. she she watched the crowds on Seventh Avenue. Yeah, yeah, they're midtown, not midtown downtown. Well, that is an, an interesting layer. It's like a story that John picked for us that was written like pre election, where she's about to bang a Trump supporter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a great story. Yeah, like, and we talked about oh. I remember thinking, I wish I could have read it when this was actually happening. So I could have been like, Trump, who cares? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, because you can imagine if you were picking up The New Yorker and reading this, you know, how Six months, months later. Yeah, really, six months, jeez. So not even a year. Like, yeah. That's all it was. And if you're in New York, you probably pass like the site. Yeah, yeah, 7th Avenue. I mean, that's streets from, isn't it? I don't know. Google it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even if it's not like streets away, the that's an interesting layer. Good job, Rob. Yeah, good job, Dateline. <laughs> Well, what else do you guys like about this? Anything else? Uh, I, I love DeLillo's style. It's so... I, I was talking to John earlier, and I would say that he's def, he definitely has like a surreal kind of curve to how he writes. But he, but he does that kind of differently than other people because his, sen- his sentences are so simple, but he'll get like two or three words that either they don't like correspond or they don't make sense or they just... Or they do it so well that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? So they're just like these tiny, just beautiful sentences that I, I just can't get enough of. Yeah. I'll try to find yeah. an example just so I'm not saying they're great. I don't think they're they're everywhere either. There's like not in this story particularly. Um, yeah, well, not in the end. It's like he'll say something like uh, "took up space," a tall, yeah. broad man with a looseness about him. Yeah, something offhand and shambling. Mm. The pauses were unencum. Uh, I'm sorry, the pauses were unembarrassed, and those don't happen all the time. They're not like every other paragraph. Which I think a lot of stylists just kind of it becomes about their style mm. somehow. Yeah, there were, yeah, there was another turn of phrase that kind of knocked me out. I think you even said it earlier. So oh, maybe never mind. He was all around her then. That's, that's that absolutely one of them, yeah. Her voice was unnatural, so fluted and small it scared her for... I like fluted and small there. Yeah, fluted is a is a weird word choice. I like this line. I don't know if you'd consider it beautiful, but she's talking about how she doesn't want to give out too much information. She says she didn't tell him that she was out of work because it would give them a situation in common. She didn't want that. An inflection of mutual sympathy on camaraderie. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Infle- I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, actually. Yeah. Inflection of it's just a perfect And then she way. says, well, then, and then it says, let the stone, the tone stay scattered. I yeah. just, like, that was, <laughs> oh, I love that line. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. She's like, uh, yeah, let's not like, we're hovering around these topics I could hone in on and make it a memorable conversation in some way or like bond us and I'm not going to do it. Like, has, has anyone ever said that? They're like, oh, my pug. And you're like, I got a pug, but I don't like you. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about <laughs> that's my an everyday dog. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, he really has just just amazing ability to sum up like really complex feelings with just like two cool words together. It's really impressive. Right after Let the Tone Stay Scattered, it says she drank her apple juice, which I underlined. (laughs) I was like, what's going on here? Except that like she's intentionally not, I don't know, drinking something other than apple juice. I I got the feeling they were at like a fast food joint and maybe it's like the healthy kid drink, but... It was also like not alcohol. Yeah, it's not, that's a good point. Yeah, it looks it kind of looks like wine, so it almost looks like a date sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, "Here, I, I'm drinking my apple juice, dude. Like, I'm not trying to get loose for you." Yeah. She looked uh, looked at the crowd as she's drinking her apple juice. She looks at the crowds moving past at faces that seemed completely knowable for half a second or so. Yeah. Then were forgotten forever in far less time than that. And it makes sense for someone who kind of loves language like that to just kind of make an, to write about art and have art be a central thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. To, to see Seems like, and he said it too before, where he just likes how letters look and <laughs> like words together. So yeah, I think he treats it like it's a visual art too, which is neat. I hate this guy though, this character. Oh my god. Yeah, he's he's so creepy and scummy. And what, what a he so did a well great drawn, job. well drawn. Shut up, Bob. Well, my name is Bob. <laughs> I would say that's like the one joke. <laughs> Some of this stuff is pretty damn funny, and th- that was kind of it. That was the one slice of humor. Well, what would you guys take away from this one? I would keep taking away from him, just trying to write. What I would try to do is, if you're trying to write in a cool style, you don't have to, like, lay it on so thick. Like, he does it so sparsely, which makes it so much fun when it does pop up, like John was saying. Like, you're talking about those lines that you like so much? Yeah, because I think, like, that, since I love this story's mood and I like things that are just kind of mood and at- uh, moody or atmospheric, that you can do that with just the words themselves. But you have to, if you if it's going to be a sparse feeling, the, well, then the style has to be sparse, too, and the yeah, kind right. of, you have to use it sparsely, the, the cool turns of phrases. Yeah, I think my takeaway kind of builds on that is just having that light touch. Yeah. Right? That's a great way to put it. You know, like you said, not pulling out the thesaurus for every other line. Not that he's pulling out a thesaurus, but you know, not going into that style every other line. But even that, what I mentioned earlier, that little hiatus from um, where she told him uh, where she lived and then they're in the apartment or in her apartment all of a sudden, that jump you know, is kind of, we don't have to experience that whole walk to kind of, like you said, you're imagining it already. You're like, oh, how did they get there? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It must have been. Horrific. So so just having that, um, just dipping in when you need to. Yeah. And even in the characterizations of the characters, you just, you're getting that kind of that light touch in the same way. That's, yeah, it's like the exact opposite of trying too hard. (laughs) That's right. Don't try too hard. That's my takeaway. (laughs) I doubt, like, I doubt he's telling himself, a light touch, Don, a light touch. (laughs) Like, He's He's not holding back. He's he's doing it when he knows he should. What a speedy way. I love that you pointed that out because I I liked it because it it just felt dreamy. But the way you describe it as far as being like a way to advance. Like it seems like sometimes when you read stuff, when when characters go from one scene to another or one setting to another, Uh it's, it's like procedural. It's procedural or it's labored and you're like, there's no way out. And he found a way to like a way to just be like, like, here you go. I love the advice. It's uh, in late out early. I think you can break that. Like that's for a story. Write that down, readers. (laughs) You start late. You start really late, later than you think you need to. Right up up against the inciting like, incident. Shit's about to happen. Yeah. And then you when at the end you just jump out when it's over. You don't need to like summarize anything or kinda like follow the characters right. for the next two years of their life. But I think you can take that not just for a story, but scenes. Yeah, everything. Dialogue, everything I that thought happens. about scenes when you said yeah. that, yeah. Or like uh this is how I go to parties. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, right, I'm here, but uh, I gotta go. And then they're like, Damn, I miss Christine. <laughs> Party My- was, was better. <laughs> you gotta leave the reader wanting more. 
My takeaway from this is just kind of after hearing myself drone on about this, I was really fascinated by just like, this is just a standard encounter with a stranger and how awkward it got. It doesn't have to get creepy. It doesn't have to get this. It ha- doesn't have to go this far. But um, I think a lot of times we put characters together, like we put them together in conflicts, but we don't always put it together like a stranger and give it weight. It's usually like, I have a problem with my mother. I have a problem with my lover. My boss is a jerk. It's like, well, what about like a random fucking person on the subway that's like, irking you oh man that, well we were talking about him earlier in the conversation it just reminded me a long long time ago i was riding my bike home from a friend's house <laughs> here we go and this is like three in the morning and this guy stops at the light and i'm waiting to cross the street and, and he he's beckons. just staring at yeah, me. yeah what's worse than that it's just eye contact you know and he doesn't break the eye contact and for whatever reason i didn't break the eye contact because you're like i gotta keep my eyes yeah, on the predator so i was like yeah. what is happening <laughs> and so he say makes a turn and then uh he screams out his wind he's like in this big truck he's like what the fuck are you looking at yeah. <laughs> oh my god i'm well, sorry like, i thought what you were are gonna you looking at? <laughs> have you read about johnny gosh i thought you were gonna steal me yeah, it was really bizarre how old are you i uh, teenager i don't know like maybe did 19 mom, maybe uh, less than that i was gonna say did know. your parents know you're out oh yeah i was it was a an older teenager but, okay i, I thought know. maybe like Somewhere you were between like 17 and 19 little boy say. bait cool no. we've gotten really into john's uh <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. could be a story. I mean, it's just like the ways it that people be, misunderstand yeah. each other. Yeah. Like, for better or for worse. That's a, what you guys are talking about. Maybe think that you, or maybe I'm just repeating what you said, but you really don't need a lot to tell us, like, a great story. No. No, this one's really it's simple. True. It's almost like he could have done this without going into the specifics on the art. Or it could just be like, yeah, good point. Like the art to me was like the icing on the cake. It, it's the sign of a like a deft reader. They're like, what can I introduce to make this complex or to add something fun almost? It's like everything in the context of blank. And the okay, art, art, art kind of helps it reach for something bigger than just yeah, exactly. itself. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it doesn't have to be something as like um, lofty as art. It yeah. could be she's dealing with the death of her cat. Yeah, the stories can still happen. Yeah, elsewhere. it's all within context of something yeah. else. Like, what well, can you layer on top? that adds meaning or importance. Wow, we knocked out of the park, guys. Thanks.